Thank you for downloading or podcasting this track. This recording has been remastered to provide the best sound possible given the audio environment of the original recording session. Mosaic Silver Spring is a faith community located just inside the Capitol Beltway in Montgomery County. For more information, please visit our website, www.mosaicsilverspring.org, and we'll see you in the neighborhood. Hi, good morning, Mosaic. My name is Erin Kelly, and I'm going to be reading the scripture reading this morning uh, from John chapter 15, verse 26, to chapter 16, verse 15. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father, nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now join me as I pray for Joel as uh, he prepares for the sermon this morning. Uh, dear God, thank you for your word. Um, and thank you for your spirit as well, that you don't leave us to our own devices, um, that you give us a guide, Lord. Um, I pray for Joel this morning um, as he prepares to teach us about your spirit. Um, God, that you'd be with him um, and that our hearts would be open uh, to the words that he's about to speak. Um, in Jesus' name, I pray these, these things. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Aaron. In uh, the film A Few Good Men uh, from 1992, it is a drama in pursuit of the truth. Now, most of this pursuit for the truth uh, takes place uh, in a courtroom setting. A couple of soldiers, Marines, had uh, been charged with a crime uh, for killing one of their peers, uh, carrying out something that they were ordered to do. And in search of the truth, Lieutenant Daniel Caffey, played by Tom Cruise, uh, finds himself trying to put together a prosecution or a defense of these Marines in the face of a prosecution. Uh, and what is in play is not only the evidence, but this question of what happened, what was said, and what is true. 
And one of the foils uh, for Kathy's character is Colonel Nathan Jessup, played by Jack Nicholson. And so in this iconic courtroom scene, at maybe the climactic point in the movie, uh, you have Lieutenant Caffey and Colonel Jessup up on the stand, and they are going back and forth with one another. And Colonel Jessup says, you want answers. And uh, Lieutenant Caffey says, uh, I want the truth. Uh, or he says, I think I'm entitled. And then uh, Colonel Jessup says, you want answers. And he says, I want the truth. And then Colonel Jessup says, you can't handle the truth. And then he goes on this long speech for why he can't handle the truth. And uh, then, in this pivotal moment, Tom Cruise redirects the question and says, did you order the code red? And Colonel Jessup, there in front of the judge, the prosecutor, and everyone who's watching says, you bet I did. Uh, and admits to the truth. And it is this climactic moment. You can see the prosecutor's uh, jaw just kind of drop. He really just admitted it. And the truth comes out. It seems so easy in the movies, doesn't it? Uh, to get to the truth. Uh, you have some good writing. You have some good acting. You have this tension building to this moment. And then just as it gets uh, plotted out, uh, the truth is on display for everyone, including us viewers. Uh, but that's because it's the movies. And so getting to the truth in the movies is much easier when you get to write the script. In real life, getting to the truth is far more complicated. And I wonder if that's why we find courtroom dramas where the truth comes out appealing, uh, right? Because uh, we know that hopefully, uh, if they're well done, then the truth, some sense of resolution, some sense of arriving at what really happened or what is true in this situation will come out. But in real life, it's far more complicated and complex. There are obstacles to the truth. There are unknowns. And uh, we don't get to write the script. So in real life, it is harder to find the truth. And so how do we pursue it? How do we go about finding truth? Uh, not just when it's on display in the movies, but for you and I. How do we find truth uh, about the matters uh, that are eternal in consequence? When we think about things like sin or judgment, righteousness, or how we stand before God, where can we find the truth? This is the answer, or this is the question that Jesus is working to answer with the disciples. And the context here in John 15 and 16 is important. Because Jesus is preparing them. Jesus has, in a sense, turned around that final turn, and he's in the home stretch. Uh, he has arrived in Jerusalem, and he knows what's on the horizon. Jesus, who hasn't yet gone to his crucifixion, knows what is ahead, and he knows what follows. And so he is preparing the disciples for what will come after. And that context is really important. And so in chapter 16, uh, really in verses 1 through 4, you see that Jesus says, I've said these things to you uh, to keep you from falling away as he looks forward. And, and why would they fall away? It's because persecution is going to come. 
And when Jesus is not with them and uh, the heat on the stove gets turned up a bit in terms of their circumstances, their suffering and actual, even if well-intended, persecution uh, on uh, the disciples and on the early church, Jesus wants them to be prepared. Persecution will come. People are going to try to shut you down. People will work to stifle the truth of God and how it goes out into the world. But Jesus tells them, you will not be alone. And uh, this becomes the context for the spirit of truth. Uh, In the Gospel of John, uh, the Holy Spirit is talked about more than in the other Gospels. So in chapter 14, if later you want to go back and read John chapter 14, you'll also get a sense of Jesus looking ahead at just how the Spirit is going to work among the church. And here in John 16, he's prepping them to say hard times are going to come but you will not be alone. That even though Jesus will depart envisioning, although they don't know it yet, his death and his resurrection and his ascension, he's saying part of this unfolding is and involves the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth being sent to you to minister to you, to help you find answers about truth to remind you of what is true, and to keep you from feeling all alone. You are not alone, Jesus tells the disciples. In preparation for what's to come and what he can envision on the horizon, it is an incredibly helpful, pastoral, encouraging thing. The helper, God himself, by his spirit, will be with us. And that is true for you and for I today. It's not lost on me in preparing this week for this morning that uh, you may be sitting somewhere in the world alone watching this. Because of the realities of what's happened with the pandemic, uh, there is a greater sense, I think, of people feeling isolated and people feeling alone. That context is not far afield from what the disciples originally faced here in John 16. And it's an opportunity for me to remind you that even if no other person is around, you are not alone. Even if uh, you feel alone and you struggle with a sense of isolation, God, through his spirit, is with you. So for those who have been united to Jesus and who have received the Holy Spirit, that helper is ever present. You can't run far enough away. You can't go into a valley deep enough. You can't climb a mountain high enough that separates you from God's presence with you. You are not alone, sister and brother. Well, Jesus mitigates what they're going to face by saying, Hey, the helper is going to come. And he unpacks a bit in chapter 16 just what that helper is going to do. And so he says in verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. 
But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. This is in verse 8. And then in 9, 10, and 11, he says, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Verse 11, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. And then in verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So there is this reality for us that if you are wrestling through a decision on whether you should do eggs and bacon this morning for breakfast or whether you should go a tad bit healthier and maybe do a little bit of fruit and some yogurt, that you can turn to yourself to navigate that choice. You can turn to yourself and say, well, what do I feel like, right? And this is totally fine. Now, uh, if you want to know if you have uh, something stuck in the back of your hair or something on the back of your shirt uh, uh, or if you have a stain somewhere, then uh, for that truth, it may be helpful to turn to a friend, uh, someone who can actually see where you can't see and say, oh, yeah, uh, let me get that for you. Then that can be helpful. If you want to know some science question, let's say whether vaccines are effective, then we turn to people who are experts in those matters, right? You can talk to physicians who've looked at this. You can talk to scientists who've studied this. Uh, but you, if you want to know truth there, then there are people that you can go to. But here is an important point that I don't want you to miss. Jesus is saying, if you want to know what God is doing in the world— and how that has an impact on the reality of sin, the the moral failings of us individually and of our society, if you want to know how God is going to judge those things, and if you want to understand how we make things right, how we achieve righteousness, those aren't truths, or uh, if I can say the capital T, truth, you can't arrive at that just merely by yourself. You can't look inward and say, I'm going to figure that all out because you face a couple of problems. First, uh, that's not up to you. That, that's a pretty big problem. So you can't figure out sin and righteousness and judgment for the world. Uh, you're too limited. And, and so that's problem one, your own limitations. But uh, related to that is problem number two, which is you have your own sin, and you yourself face the prospect of judgment, and you lack righteousness. And so because of those things, they become barriers and blind spots that you can't get around by yourself or in community or with technical experts. Those things are useful when you're asking the right questions. When it comes to the question of how God is working in the world to address the realities of sin, righteousness, and judgment, Jesus is saying it is the spirit of truth who we turn to. And so while we may have a natural inclination to turn inwardly and say, well, I can figure all this stuff out for myself, how to make myself right, Jesus and the rest of Scripture is saying, I don't make that mistake. Uh, You can turn to yourself for certain questions, but when it comes to the reality of sin and judgment and righteousness, you don't have the truth. You may want answers, but you don't have the truth. We come to Scripture for truth in those moments. In the limitations that we face, our inability to see and know, we have the testimony of Jesus himself. 
we have the witness of Scripture, all of Scripture that we turn to, and we have God's Spirit, the Spirit of truth that's been poured out to meet us in this very moment. So in the midst of our difficulty, in the midst of our suffering, when we say, I have all these questions, God calls us to turn to him, to turn to his son, and to recognize that when it comes to sin and judgment and righteousness, the spirit of truth testifies to who Jesus is and what he's done. And that's how we navigate those questions. That's how we arrive at truth. Jesus himself in the Gospel of John declares that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And that we are to turn to him. We are called to turn in faith, to recognize our own limitations, to repent of our sin, and to turn to Jesus and say, Yes, Jesus, help me in the face of these questions of sin, judgment, and righteousness. And Jesus has promised graciously to respond. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit responds to our repentance and faith, bringing us that righteousness, giving answer for the sin that we have committed, and declaring what is true of us in the face of judgment. And so through the ups and downs of our moments, when we struggle, uh, when we feel alone, when we don't know how we're going to make it through tomorrow, when we're nervous hitting refresh on WashingtonPost.com because who knows what wave of bad news is about to hit us and we don't know if we can handle it. It is in those moments that God tells you, you're not alone, that he has poured out the spirit of truth to help you navigate life's most important questions. And that through that spirit of truth, our sin is addressed through the death of Jesus and his resurrection and our union with him through faith. Righteousness is ours. And that gives us hope and peace as we face the judgment to come. The spirit of truth opens our eyes and ears to see our status, friends, in the 21st century in, in Montgomery County or beyond, no matter our circumstances that in the most important, in the eternal questions, we have answers through Jesus. That's the Christian hope that God by his spirit testifies to, not only to us individually when we're feeling alone, but to our community when we face big questions and have to work through them together, facing those limitations, and uh, to the world beyond. So that when we work through these questions with our neighbors, our friends, our family, uh, when people are wondering, where can I turn to answer these kinds of questions, then we know the answer of where to point them. We can open up the Gospel of John with them and say, we know the one to where you can find answers to the truth you're seeking. May God give us the strength, wisdom, peace, and patience to do that day in and day out together as a family. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, we ask that you will watch over us, that you will encourage us, and that as we wrestle through real questions, questions that uh, we all face, if not today, then soon, that we will turn to you in faith, that we will work through those things honestly, that we will 
bear witness to those around us of where truth is found. We pray these things in Jesus' name.